Okay, I'm going to dive in. Today is part six, would you believe, of Beyond 2020 Vision. The definition of vision, or a definition of vision, is vision is a picture of what could be fueled by a sense that it should be. I don't know about you, I, I get excited when I think about what it could look like around here. What God could accomplish if we really let him have his way. What would happen if we really opened the door wide to the Holy Spirit? What would happen if we spent, spent less time conforming to the pattern of the world and more time allowing God to transform us in the ways of heaven? Second half of that definition is, is the sense that it should look like that around here. After all, folks, we have work to do. We have a commission to fulfill. We, we have a culture to create. There's no shortage of people out there who need Jesus for all sorts of reasons. We're crying shame. It would be a woeful waste if we were to fall short of what, what Bill Hybels called our redemptive potential as, as his body. And so with that in mind, we continue to dream. We continue to ask God to, 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 to increase our expectation and to build our faith, to fill us until we overflow in pursuit of the vision he's given us. Okay, so the fourth heading on, on the banner is transforming. The full text, uh, you can see, uh, find that on our website, it says we're broken lives, Relationships and families are restored. Where dead religion is replaced by dynamic relationship, unbelief by faith, hopelessness by joy. Where sick people become healthy, the broken became whole, become whole, and new Christians become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Now, to be fair, I get excited about all six on that banner, but this one for me really strikes a chord. To set the key, that set the scene, just two key transformation verses that will be familiar to you. First one is Romans 12, verse two, where it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, the crux of the matter is God is in the business of transformation. Jesus came to make things new. He came to change our hearts, he came to show us a new and better way. And the reality is, folks, there's much out there that needs changing. But equally, there's much in here that needs changing. The Bible, of course, is, is full of stories of transformation. 
We have murdering, stuttering Moses. We have adulterous David, arrogant Joseph, running Jonah, persecuting Paul, foot in the mouth Peter, call down fire John, doubting Thomas, thieving Zacchaeus, and many more. You know, these are our heroes, and they're all flawed, but transformed. I don't know about you, but I find that greatly reassuring. Because the point is, we all need the transforming power of Almighty God. Now, I read two verses a moment ago that the, the Greek word there that's translated transformation, I'm sure you can all tell me, is the word metamorphosis. A little bit more biology for you. You're probably familiar with the metamorphosis process that transforms a, a tadpole into a frog or a caterpillar into a butterfly. And the word meta. Morphosis literally means a change of form. Metamorphosis takes something ugly, makes it beautiful. Takes something broken and makes it whole. Something weak and makes it strong. Something directionless and gives it purpose. You know, the metamorphosis it's not a Band-Aid. It's not a 5% incremental improvement. Metamorphosis is not a dose of self-help or hearing a motivational speech or trying just a little bit harder. Metamorphosis is literally a change of state, giving something a completely new form. Metamorphosis is, is breakthrough. Metamorphosis is, is turnaround, it's inversion. Metamorphosis is a transformation that changes things from defeated to victorious, from captive to free, from sick to healthy, from rich to poor, from insecure to secure, from unstable to stable. Metamorphosis transforms from, from fleshly to spiritual, from carnal to mature, from spiritually dead to radically alive, transforms from natural to supernatural, from unloved to loved, from rejected to accepted, from fearful to faithful, and from timid to bold. Anyone in here needs some of that? Here's the question. Do you want to, to crawl like a caterpillar or float like a butterfly? In which case you and me, all of us need metamorphosis. And the good news is that God has the power to transform anything. We can read Jesus' mandate for transformation in Luke chapter 4, in which he quotes from Isaiah 61. I'm just going to read those verses for you. Isaiah 61 verse 1, Jesus said, 
but in this case, Isaiah said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. This is obviously messianic prophecy. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim, to, to send me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favour has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be great like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. And of course, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus famously read that passage aloud in the synagogue and said, essentially, that's me. That's my purpose. That, that's my ministry. That is what I have come to do. That is what I do. That, if you like, is my mandate for transformation. I turn ashes to beauty. I turn mourning to joy and despair to praise. I bring good news to the poor and release to captives and freedom to prisoners. But it's important to note here, this passage doesn't just tell us what, it also tells us how. And the clue is in Jesus' opening words. Verse 1, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me too. And then he goes on to unfold that. The point is, if we want to see transformation, we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If we ourselves want to be transformed, we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If we want to be agents of transformation, we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And in which case, we need to know where that anointing resides. And there's three main places that I'm going to unfold a little bit for you today. The first one is the anointing of God the Holy Spirit is upon his word, number one. Number two, the anointing is in his presence. And number three, the anointing is on the gifts and the gifted. Now there, right there, are three massive transformation keys. Let's work our way through those quickly. Number one, the anointing is on the word. Hebrews 4, verse 12, read it from the Amplified because it really packs a punch. For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. goes on to say, exposing and sifting and analyze, analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. You know what, folks? God's word is not just a nice story. It's not just well-written prose or 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 pleasing theory, or, or good habits to live by. God's word is literally alive and active. King James says, quick 
and powerful. God's word contains innate dunamis power and the energio working of the Holy Spirit. God's word has the power to save, to rescue you from sin and death. God's word has the power to sanctify, to wash you clean. God's word has the power to heal, to make you whole. God's word has the power to liberate, to set you gloriously and totally free. God's word has the power to inspire, to show you how it could and should be done. God's word has the power to correct, to to redirect and reinform you. God's word has the power to make you strong, to refill you, to encourage you, and to build you up. And the key is that the word has the power to transform you from the inside out. Have a listen to this passage. It's 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. Paul said, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. The word works there is the word energio. God's word contains this transforming energy and power. And Paul says here, if you look at the verbs, if if you receive it, if you will welcome it, if you will believe it, then it will work in you. Deeply transforming you with that, that inherent and supernatural energio that it carries. And so God's word literally energizes your spirit. It literally reprograms your thinking. And Proverbs 4.22 tells us that actually it gives life and health to our body and flesh. Now, worldly methods attempt to change you on the outside in the vain hope that that has some effect on the inside. But if you want to see real change in your external world, real change in your your relationships, in your circumstances, then first you have to seek God for change in your internal world. Romans 12, verse 2. This is New Living Translation. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. The word has has innate supernatural power to renew your mind and therefore change your life. Only the word can reach the deepest parts. Only the word can demolish those those most powerful and entrenched strongholds. God's word works in us, 
energio. Minds are renewed step by step. And God transforms us. Metamorphosis. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is on his word, number one. Number two, the anointing is in his presence. 2 Corinthians 3, 17, 18, we've already read it once. For the Lord is the Spirit, and whenever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I love that verse. Verse 18, so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed, transformed into his glorious image. I thought about this. Three examples of, of transformed in his presence would be number one, Moses and the burning bush. Number two, Isaiah's vision of heaven. And Isaiah 6. And thirdly, Saul on the road to Damascus, seeing that blinding light and being literally knocked off his high horse. And there we have three encounters with heaven that changed lives in history-shaping ways. And those encounters transformed their hearts. Think of Saul. Radically changed what they saw and how they thought. It literally redirected their purpose in all three of those cases. And the point is the anointing of the Holy Spirit is to be found in his manifest presence. And so as we worship, the songs that we sing open our spiritual eyes. They sink truth deeper into our hearts. They touch us deeper with his love and they reveal more of his glory and his greatness. And in his presence, as we pause to listen and to meditate, to be still, in that place we come, let be, we become less aware of our own presence and more aware of his. We become emptied of self of that feisty flesh and carnality of our own preferences and priorities and opinions. And instead, we get filled with him, filled with, with Holy Spirit love and power, filled with grace and wisdom. Here's the line. The more you spend time with him, the more you become like him. That's a universal principle, I think. The more you spend time with him, the more time in his presence, the more you become like him, transformed from one degree of glory to another, like a caterpillar, metamorphosing, metamorphosizing, debating, into a caterpillar, into a butterfly. That was a rabbit trail I wish had never gone down. The more you spend time with him, the more you become like him, the more you see what he sees, 
more you hear what he hears, the more you think what he thinks, the more you're moved by what moves him. Scripture is, is rich with imagery and hints as to what an encounter with the presence might look like. Here's one, Isaiah 35, verse 5. And when he comes, oh God, when you come, when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness and streams will water the wasteland. The parched ground will become a pool and springs of water will satisfy the thirsty land. I'm sure you can pick up that imagery. Worship is, is a place of refreshing and of healing and of joy. Worship is, is, is the place that God moves and stirs and heals. It's a seedbed of word and prayer and prophecy. His presence is, is literally a treasure trove. And we've only begun to scratch the surface. I'd say this, I have Yoda in my ears. If it's transformation you need, it's his presence that you should seek. Not sure why Yoda would say that, but hey. That was number two. Number three, the anointing is on the gifts and the gifted. I think the simplest biblical picture of that, in my mind at least, is that cloak, that mantle that rest, rested on Elijah and then in time was passed on to Elisha. And that mantle represented the office that they stood in. It represented the anointing that they walked in. We're talking about two powerful men of God who wrought transformation wherever they went. I mean, their ministry changed lives. It even changed the course of that nation. Now, there are several lists of, of Holy Spirit gifts in the New Testament. The, the first one is, we call them the gifts of the Spirit. They're listed in, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. There, there are revelation gifts in there. There are, there are utterance gifts in there. There are power gifts in there. Second list is, is what we call the, or we used to call the motivational gifts that, that we find in, in Romans chapter 12. That those, those gifts of prophecy and serving and teaching and encouraging and giving and leading and showing mercy. And in that passage, essentially says, if that's your gift, do it with all you've got. And then the third list of gifts is, is what we call the fivefold ministry gifts, which we find in Ephesians chapter 4. And the gifts are apostle and prophet and evangelist and pastor and teacher. There are lots of gifts. But here's the point I want you to get. All those gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, motivational gifts, those ministry gifts are not there to make us look good, to make us sound good, or even to make us feel good. Those gifts are given to transform things. 
that they're given to transform hearts and lives and relationships. They're keys, if you like, to to open doors and unlock impossible situations. They're gifts that are given to, to translate people from darkness to light, from dead to alive, from broken to whole, from hurting to healed, from empty to full, from immature to mature, from earthly to heavenly. Paul taught, uh, didn't he, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he said that the prophetic gifts are for edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's the measure, if you like. If you're giving a prophecy in the New Testament, that is what it should be all about. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. Well, think about those three words. Those are three transformation words. Edification is about rebuilding damaged things. Exhortation is about uplifting discouraged things. And comfort is about binding back together broken-hearted things. You know, the Holy Spirit is the agent of transformation and he uses his gifts and the gifted. God will use them to, to bring his word to life. He'll use those gifts to reveal truth and to disqualify lies. He'll use them to to touch you with the love of God. He'll use those gifts to show you how to pray. And he'll use those gifts to lead you into freedom. But again, here's the point. Gifts are not to make us look good or sound good or feel good. Those gifts are to transform hearts and lives and relationships. Okay, quick summary. If we want to be transformers, if we want the gospel of transformation to be at work and transforming things in our church and in our circumstances and in our people, in our relationships, then we need to do three things. Number one, we need to preach the word that renews minds. Number two, we need to seek in worship and prayer the spirit who saves, heals, and delivers. The number three, we need to identify and empower and release transformers, the gifts and the gifted, the mantle wearers, the anointed. And then finally, if we want our family and friends to be transformed, and we certainly do, then we need to get them where the transforming power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit is at work. So here's the challenge. As Christians, with Romans 12, verse 2 in our minds, as Christians, we need to ask ourselves whether we are conformers or transformers. Conformer means you're just the same as everyone else. In fact, you're trying to make yourself just the same as everyone else. Just as hopeless, just as negative, just as resentful, just as unforgiving, just as many bad habits, 
That sounds a little harsh, but I'm trying to create a contrast here because we are called to be transformers. We're called to be light in the darkness. We're called to be a breath of fresh air. Holy Spirit breath. We're called to be hope when all anyone can see is despair. We're called to be grace in the middle of all that ungrace. And so if we are going to fulfill that dream of being a transforming church, we need a mindset shift. We need to stop trying to conform. Stop trying to be like the world. Stop trying to fit in because we're transformers. We're transformers, number one, because our minds have been renewed with his word. We're transformers, number two, because we are filled with the Holy Spirit who is the agent of transformation. And we're transformers, number three, because we wear a mantle on our shoulders. The anointing that Isaiah told us breaks the yoke of bondage. You know, when we walk into the room, freedom walks in with us. When we walk into the room, truth walks into the room with us. When we walk into the room, wisdom walks into the room with us. His name's God, the Holy Spirit. When we walk into the room, love, the love that never fails, should be oozing out of every pore. And therefore, things all around us should be being transformed. Just to tie this together at the end, what about here in the church? Well, I don't know about you, but I'd love to see visitors transformed. I'd love to see people leaving different to the way they came in. What do I say? A little bit freer, a little bit lighter, walking a little bit taller, a little bit bolder. I'd love to see people who will journey with us transformed. People who will stick at it for one year, for two years, for five years, see God do wonders in their lives. That's what I'd love to see. I'd love to see people who sit under the teaching of this church have their thinking radically transformed. No longer to think like the world, but to think like Jesus. No longer thinking foolishly, but wisely. No longer thinking negatively, but positively. No longer thinking judgmentally, but transformed by grace. I'd love to see the people who serve in this church transformed. Transformed because they're growing and they're stretching and maturing. Because they're increasing in calling and gift. They're increasing in obedience and surrender. I'd love to see people who give in this church transformed. To see their personal finances transformed as they radically trust God. Stewarding their resources according to his clearly stated principles. Sowing generous seed and trusting him for plentiful harvest. I'd love to see people who give in this church see their finances transformed. Not only that, I'd love to see the lukewarm 
transformed into fiery hot. I'd love to see the limping transformed into stable and strong. I'd love to see the lost transformed into leaders. That's a metamorphosis right there. I'd love to see the confused transformed into teachers, the hurt into healers. I'd love to see people transformed. I'd love to see families transformed. I'd love to see whole communities transformed. Folks, that's the dream. That's the vision. But I'm, I'm convinced that is, that is the mandate because that is the work of the Holy Spirit. Anyone else see that when they dream? Anyone join me in praying for a whole lot more of that? Amen. Okay, perhaps if the worship team would like to come forward. It's going to give us just uh, two things that we can respond to this morning. James said that we needed to be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word also. And that's why responding is so important. And, and in, in spite of what I'm about to say in the next minute, key question is what has God been saying to you? What is God calling forth from or for you? But I reckon the response this morning is two prayers. Prayer number one, very simple, is God transform me. I think a few months ago we called that a dangerous prayer. God transform me. Here it goes. Do whatever it is that you need to do in me so you can do whatever it is that you want to do through me. Maybe that's your prayer for today. And prayer number two, second prayer is, is Lord, make me a transformer rather than a conformer. Ask questions like this. Where right now in my life am I conforming to the pattern of the world? Romans 12, 2. And then what, what around me do I need to set about transforming if I'm a transformer? What do I need to set about transforming so it starts to look less like the earth and more like heaven?